right, Bill English is back from BibleandBusiness.com. Welcome, my friend. Hey, thank you. Welcome. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. Are I'm you? well. I'm good. Um, yeah, it's the middle of fall break. And I bet you haven't gotten below 50 degrees down in sunny no. Tennessee, have you? I don't know. I don't know. It might. There might have been a night that, that fell below 50 uh, recently, yes. Uh, here's what's happening in my family today. The plumber is coming back to actually uh, fix the water main that broke under our poured concrete driveway. We've been living off of a garden hose for the last few days. That's been kind of exciting. And my husband is returning from Colorado Yay. Uh, as we speak Yay. Yes, <clears throat> with another beast. So there you go. That's what that's what's going on here. Well, um, OK, what's going on there? What's going on here? I have now 46 games, basketball games on my calendar to officiate this fall, <laughs> this winter. Oh, see, here is something I didn't know about you. Yeah. This is, oh, do you have to run around on the court and keep up with them? That yes. seems like a lot of uh, that's wow. And at 58 that gets harder and harder. I turned 59 in January and uh, I go to the gym every day, uh, work out, I try to get 2 to 3 miles on the elliptical and I lift weights and do all the rest of it. But yeah, I've now got uh through the local officials association here. I got 46 games I'm going to do this year. Okay, and this is high school, this is league, what is this? High school. adults, who are High these school. People? 9 oh, ninth through varsity. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, pour it, pour goodness into their lives and show um, periodic mercy. There you go. Periodic mercy. Periodic mercy. Um, okay. So, um, uh, David, we, you yes. and I have been, we have been surveying the life of David. Um, we have been doing this now for very, very many weeks. Today's the day we're going to like wrap this whole thing up with a bow. We're going to let people know you can go to Bibleandbusiness.com. You can sort of get the summary of all of the lessons um, posted there. Lessons learned from the life of David before he came king. Let's just kind of roam around in uh, in some of them and and unpack a few again. Yeah, I, I'd lo- I'd love to do that. Just so the listener knows, these lessons are we didn't talk about all these lessons on the air. And so, I know. I um, noticed that I pulled I these like- from the PowerPoint that I used to originally teach this series at church. I've put the PowerPoint up in the download section for free. All you got to do is go get it, and you can use PowerPoints. All I ask is that if you publish something with my content, that you give me attribution. That's all I ask. And a link back yeah, to the BibleandBusiness.com. Sure. Like yeah. that's, the, that's the nice, appropriate way to do that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. So, again, you can go to BibleandBusiness.com. You can get uh, the, the, the list, and you can also download the PowerPoint. It's all right there um, today. Yep. Okay. So, Bill. Um, we don't have to go through all of them. Maybe let's talk about some of the ones we skipped. Yeah, that would be a good. I'd like that. Okay, well, that means that I'm going to have to recognize which ones those are on this. Oh, giant well, list. I, I, I got it. Do the you first know? one, the first one, our sin may not accurately reflect reflect our heart for God. How many times do we sin, and we look at that and we go, "But that isn't who I am." It's kind of that Paul thing in Romans: the thing that I don't want to do, I do, and the thing that I do want to do, I don't do. And so our sin may not accurately reflect our heart for God. And I, and we get that from, from David's piece of, of how the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart. And yet he committed murder, he committed adultery, and a bunch of other things. And, uh, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. So our sin may not accurately reflect our heart for God. That's, that's one that I take great comfort in. Oh, that is. That is. Let's not, we're gonna, not going to use it as an excuse, but yes, no, absolutely. Right. Totally, totally true. Um, and then you've got David and Saul provide us examples on what not to do as well as what to do. Right. 
So, you know, when, when Saul uh, goes and he sacrifices early, he's supposed to wait for Samuel to come and sacrifice, and instead he sacrifices early. Uh, and and Samuel says, you know, the, the entire... Uh, uh, kingdom has been torn out of your hand uh, because you have gone ahead of what God wanted you to do. There are there are plenty of situations where Saul is a good example of what not to do in leadership, what not to do as a person who's following God. And David also sometimes is the same way. You know, he gets angry. He wants to go kill Nabal. I know I'm bouncing around here and assuming people know these stories, and I'm sorry for that, but he wants to go kill Nabal. And he is angry as all get out, and and he's headed down there. And if it wasn't for Nabal's wife, uh, boy, he would have probably committed murder. So there, there are plenty of situations where we don't do what what they're what's illustrated there. All right, to uh, to understand, um, to learn about uh, all of the stories that we talked about in in the context of our conversations about the leadership lessons we learned from the life of David. First um, Samuel is the book in the Bible that you want to read. And so we're going to encourage you to read First Samuel, learn these stories about David, um, and and then grab this wonderful study guide, uh, Lessons Learned from the Life of David Before He Became King, at BibleandBusiness.com. Uh, Bill English and I will be right back to touch on a few more. All right. Bill English is here from BibleandBusiness.com. We are sort of doing a, a summary review of the leadership lessons that we learn from the life of David. So let's talk, Bill, about being yourself in your calling, the test of authenticity. Yeah, you know, uh, I remember when I was first graduating from seminary, I tried to sound like Chuck Swindoll from the pulpit. And of course, I was <laughs> by myself in a room, right? And, and you know, it, it didn't work very well. And... Uh, I that was one of the experiences that kind of led me to this idea that you got to be yourself in your calling. You simply have to be who you are. Now, in the, in the story of David, we get this from his fight with Goliath and how Saul wants to put on all this armor around David. And David's going, no, you know, this is too heavy. It's too clunky. Just let me go out there with some stones and a sling and, I'll, and with God, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of Goliath, right? Being yourself in your calling uh, for one of the ways to know kind of who you are in your calling is to look back over the last 10 years or so, maybe 15, but look over over the last 10 years and say to yourself or ask God, what was it in ministry that really tripped my trigger and in what situations did that seem to happen? And when you can kind of quantify that and look at that, you'll start to get a sense of who you are in your calling and what God wants to lead you to. So, Bill, I'm often, I think people struggle a lot with this. I think that they struggle um, with whether or not there's an alignment between what they're doing vocationally and their calling. Um, they struggle sometimes with a sense that God has called them to something, but they have made other commitments in their life that uh, prevent or prohibit them from doing the thing that they perceive God has called them to do. Talk a little bit about some of those struggles. You know, I, you know, when I was divorced in my early 30s, um, I felt like God put me on a shelf for about 10 years and that I couldn't do much ministry because of my divorce. Now, I wasn't the one who led the divorce. My first wife did that. Uh, but um, I understand that feeling of being called because God's calling is irrevocable, right? His gifting and his calling is, irrevoc- is irrevocable. Uh, and yet uh, you're not in a position where you can live it out very well. My advice in that situation is simply to stay close to God and be patient. Just wait on the Lord 
and find some things to do in the meantime until he is until he picks you up and puts you where he wants you and begins to use you again the way that in the fullness of your calling and the fullness of your gifting. So so forcing timing on something. Let's talk about that. I am so tempted. I feel like I've been pushing a rock up a hill for um, some period of time in relationship to one particular vocation, vocational thing. And um, I finally decided earlier this week, and I communicated this uh, to the individual involved, I'm not pushing the rock anymore. I'm, I'm, I, we're, if God wants this to happen, God is going to do it. And I'm just going to have to trust that. Um, I don't know why it took me so long to get there, but uh, but talk about that. Talk about the the reality that it doesn't matter how hard you push. If it's not God's timing, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and you will be pushing a rock up a hill, right? It's ridiculous. It's it totally is. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You know, I have a calling to marry the Christian faith with business ownership, and I have for years wanted to do something at my church to get a ministry going to business owners, and yet it continues to be a fog for me. Now, you might be surprised to hear me say that, but it is. I Every time I go to try to start this or maybe to try to do a Saturday show or something like that. It just doesn't work out. And what that tells me is that it's not God's timing. I don't have the right resources. I don't have the right people. It's not God's timing. If I try to push it, all I'll do is fail. And and so when you push against God's timing, you will end up failing and it, you may end up burning out in the process. Bill English and I are talking about a whole uh, list of leadership lessons that we have learned from the life of David in a study of 1 Samuel. You can go uh, find it at BibleAndBusiness.com. You can also download the PowerPoint there and teach it yourself. Just give Bill, uh, you know, appropriate credit. Um, Let's talk about passing the test of loneliness. Leadership is often very, very lonely. It is. And if you don't have... um people that you can talk with, it, it will be a crushing loneliness, okay? It'll just be a crushing loneliness. So uh, in leadership, you need to learn how to pour out your heart to God, and you need to ask God to give you uh, a few people around you who are very supportive of who you are and what your mission is, and people who who you can completely confide in and know that it won't go anywhere, Um don't give in to the world's ideas of solutions here, but like, you know, drowning your loneliness in TV or entertainment or movies or online stuff. Instead, uh, admit that you're disconnected and ask God to connect you both with himself and with a few other people around you. It's tough to do. Um, and so that's why I, I think you probably found this when you were pastoring your church, is that the people you could best identify with and confide in were other pastors of similar-sized churches. Uh, there's a reason that leaders tend to connect with other leaders. And I think that ministry is diverse and broad enough that I would say the connection with other Christians who view life as ministry, regardless of um, where that ministry is taking place, regardless of the particular context of ministry. It's about connecting with other people who view their life as ministry Mm -hmm. that has been important to me. Yes, yes. I mean, sometimes it's actually, you know, it's been moms who whose work is largely inside their own home, discipling their own children, um, who have been the greatest ministry encouragement um, because there is so much of that that is like shepherding a flock. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, so uh, so, yes, it's um, it's uh, our understanding of the 
the varied ways in which God uses individuals, and that gets back to the uniqueness of calling uh, as well, which we touched on earlier. All right, the whole corpus of material is available at BibleAndBusiness.com, the leadership lessons that we learned from the life of David. Lots of other lessons here, like today's actions have future consequences. Uh, David does learn that it's difficult to be an effective leader when you have skeletons in the closet, uh, it, which is a good like Halloween um, message, maybe. Um, and then you got to <laughs> guard your actions and words today so that you can lead effectively tomorrow. All right, Bill, um, we're going to have to leave it right there. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to turn to the headlines next week when Bill English is back. He and I are going to, uh, you know, bring the mind of Christ to bear on the business headlines of the day. That's uh, that's next week when Bill English joins us again. Thanks for being here today, Bill. You bet. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back.